Okay, um, where we are is uh, Jeremiah chapter 35, and uh, I'm just going to make some comments on chapter 35 and 36 of Jeremiah as we wrap up our series on the Kings and the Chronicles, and we're going to be shifting over to the New Testament next, and we look forward to that to give us a good balance of the New Covenant and the Old Covenant. Both are speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. I do want to make one clarification, though. We are not going to reign Brother Christian in now. We're going to let him out with authority and the backing of an assembly. So, just so folks here are going to see Brother Christian as the Lord leads Head bucked up, up to Ohio or India or wherever the Lord leads. You say, well, he's supposed to be here in our seats. No, he's not. He's still under the authority of God, the Father in heaven. And I trust that man's spirit. Every ounce of it. That's his theme song as far as I'm concerned. There's nobody that I know loves the sinner as much as Christian Eichley. So, we commend him. We commend him to go forward. Jeremiah chapter 35. Now, you say, well, I, you know, 35 is a little strange. I want to make sure that 35 was kind of mentioned because I think 35 and 36 are kind of together. Um, what we're doing is, uh, if you look at 34, you say, well, that's Zedekiah. Zedekiah. Remember, Z, Zedekiah. Z, Zedekiah, that's the last king just before Judah is carried away. So we've gone from Zedekiah in the book of Jeremiah. Now we're shifting over and we're getting into a couple of sons of Josiah, Joash and uh, Jehoiakim. And, and there, is no, there is not necessarily a chronicle, chronological order in Jeremiah as far as these kings are concerned. There is a bit of jumping that goes, uh, that takes place in the book of Jeremiah as we go through this. But chapter 35, the reason why I attach this, the reason why I attach this is because I think the Spirit of God attaches it. Okay, and I'll explain that as we go through. There's nothing in the Word of God by accident. There is nothing in the Word of God by accident. There are many events that occurred around the life of Jehoiakim, around the life of jo jo uh, Josiah. These kings, many events occurred. Why does God the Father Say through the Holy Spirit, this is what I want you to see. Well, that's what I always try to try to figure out. Why did he leave us this? Chapter 35 talks about the Rachabites. It says, A word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying, Go to the house of the Rachabites and speak to them. And bring them into the house of the Lord, into one of the chambers. So not only into the house, but we want to bring them into one of the chambers as well. We bring them right into the inside. There's a reason. There's a reason. And then verse 3 says, Then I took uh, Jazaniah, the son of Jeremiah. This is not the same Jeremiah. Son of Habazaniah, his brother, and all his sons and the whole house of the Rachabites. And I brought them into the house of the Lord, into the chamber of the sons of Hanan and the son of Igliah, 
the man of God, which was near the chamber of the officials, which was above the chamber of uh, Messiah and the son of Shalom, the doorkeeper. Now look at verse 5. Then I set before the men of the house of the Rachabites pitchers full of wine and cups, and I said, drink wine. What's this all about? Well, the Rachabites had a father that lived 300 years ago. Uh, one way back in their, in their heritage was a man named Jonadab. And Jonadab had took with the nation of Israel and fought against the evils of that particular land. And Jonadab somehow came to the conclusion that we as a people, these Rachabites, need to not own a home, not plant a vineyard, not plant seed, and not drink wine. In other words, there was a desire on the part of this man, Jonadab, 300 years ago to say to his people, to that particular tribe of people, you separate yourself from the world. I've seen the evils in the world. I've seen where it's going to take you. Now, clear away from it. Now, why did God put this in here? Many say that the Rachabites might well be the Bedouins that are still in Israel today. They live in big black tents. If you go over to Israel, you'll see these big black tents. And they're still living in those tents. And they got Comcast feed going to those tents. I, I, I guess Jonadab didn't know about that. So, and they got big TVs and they've got all the luxuries, but they're still in big black tents, even to this day. That might be the same tribe we don't know exactly. But here we have a group of people that got a command from their father about 300 years ago. And they are still under that command. They're still obeying it. He said, here's the wine. Here's the drink. And they said, we will not drink wine for Jonadab. Isn't that amazing? That was their father way back there, 300 years ago. Man, if I had a father, that's, that's like generation after generation. I'm going to listen to something my father way back in the turn of the century said. One of my great-great-grandfathers, what he said, I'm still going to obey. No, they do. See, so God is setting up a contrast here, isn't he? It's genius what God is doing. We have the Lord Jesus Christ as portrayed here because, you see, he came into this world and he owned it all. Everything. And yet the Word of God says the foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay down his head. It's interesting that when the disciples came to the Lord Jesus Christ and they said, Did you see this temple? They were basically saying, we built. Here was Solomon's temple and all its glory and all the beauty. And, and, and the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, you, you would have, anyone else would have said, wow, that is just, that is really breathtaking. That's magnificent. The Lord Jesus Christ says, each block will be dismantled. And all that beautiful gold that glistens in the sun is going to be burned out of those blocks. And it's going to burn to the ground. 
That's what he saw. That's what he saw. You know, in the, book, in the beginning of the book of Job, it goes through all that Job owned. And it said, man, he had this many cattle and he had this many. A rich man, the wealthiest man on the earth at that time, I dare say. And yet, the Lord Jesus Christ, when the, the, those evil spirits came with the sons of men and, and they joined and they were there at the throne, God the Father actually said, have you considered my son Job? Wow, you ought to see all his wealth. Did you see that? Look at how I blessed him. Look at how I built him up. Look at that great man Job right there. No, he doesn't say that, does he? He says, A blameless and righteous and one who fears God and turns from evil. All of his wealth had just been stipulated not a few verses before. And there wasn't one word from God the Father concerning his wealth. Why? Let's put it in perspective. This little speck called earth. It's going to brag as to how much we've accomplished. And there's the God of all the universe. No wonder God said, look at the Rachabites. They'll have none of it. They live in tents. They'll have none of even planting a vineyard because there might be temptation as far as drinking that wine is concerned. And so Jeremiah brought them into an inner sanctuary. They were not feeling very much at home there, let me tell you. Because they live in tents. They must have felt like a duck out of water when he brought them in there. All for a purpose, wasn't it? This was the purpose. Read. In 35 and verse number 15. Also, I have sent to you all my servants, the prophets, sending them again and again, saying, Turn now every man from his evil way amidst your deeds, and do not go after other gods to worship them. Then you will dwell in the land which I have given you and to your forefathers, but you have not inclined your ear to listen to me. Indeed, the sons of Jonadab, the son of Rahab, have observed the commands of their father, which he commanded them. But this people hath not listened to me. And now we segue into chapter 36. And now we're going to see their absolute open rebellion against the God of heaven. You see how chapter 35, it's during that same time period. Verse 1 tells us it's during the reign of Jehoiakim. So we're going back and we're connecting these two chapters, 35 and 36, like a parenthesis. We're blocking them out, so to speak. And we're trying to get across to the rest of the world and this nation, their disobedience. Chapter 36. For in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Take a scroll and write on it all the words 
which I have spoken to you concerning Israel and concerning Judah and concerning all the nations from the day I first spoke to you, from the days of Josiah, even to this day. Doesn't say it here, but there was another brother, another uh, brother of uh, Jehoiakim, another son of Josiah. His name is Jehoaz, and he reigned for about three months. And then the king of Egypt came in and he deposed him. That tells us something already, doesn't it? That at this particular time, the sad truth of the nation of Judah, this is the southern part now. You remember what happened in the north? Where are they now? They're swept away by the Assyrians. They're already gone. They're gone off the scene. Historically, they're gone. So now we have the, those who had gathered in Jerusalem uh, the, uh, from Judah, and, and they're under the, the siege of the Egyptians. They're under the thumb of the Egyptians, and later on they're going to be under the thumb of the Babylonians. Kind of sad, isn't it? Uh, a nation that's supposed to be under the only true and living God of heaven, and here they are under the thumb of a pagan king named Nico. Here's what it says in verse 3. Now, 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 I want you to hear these words. These are the pleadings of heaven. Because I think that this is the, 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 the whole gist. This is the whole twist of the whole thing right here. This is the whole of the whole right here. Listen to what it says. Perhaps, this is heaven speaking, Perhaps the house of Judah will hear all the calamity which I plan to bring to them in order that every man will turn from his evil ways. Then will forgive, Then I will forgive their iniquities and their sins. What a long-suffering, forbearing, loving, merciful God we have. Worship. What, what, what an ama- can you imagine after all of this uh, disobedience and they've, they've ran after the evil, constantly running after the evil, turning their backs on the commandments of God, and God is still holding out hope that these individuals might repent and turn. What, what, what do we see glaring here? What do we see amplified here in the Scripture? We see the mercies of God. They're new every morning. And they're new in your life. And they're new in my life. Nothing has changed. I keep doing knuckle-headed things. Time and time and time again. Doing knuckle-headed things. And there I have my merciful God waiting to take me in. I want you to come back. I want you to come back. I want you to come back. That's what it's saying here. A merciful, loving God. Jehoiakim reigned for 11 years. His brother Joaz reigned for three months. About 23 years of... Old Testament prophecies, when it, when it says what he's to do next. So let's read this, verse number 4. It says, Then Jeremiah called Baruch, the son of Nera, and Baruch wrote on a scroll at the dictation of Jeremiah all the words of the Lord which he had spoken to him. Jeremiah commanded Baruch, saying, I am restricted. In other words, he could not go into the nation of 
Israel into Jerusalem anymore. He was banned from there. It's very simple. Jehoiakim just uh, basically had prophets that would say what he wanted to hear. And Jeremiah wasn't one of those. And so Jeremiah was banned from that particular area. So I'm, it says, um, uh, so, so you go and read from the scroll which you have written at my dictation the words of the Lord to the people in the Lord's house on fasting day. And also you shall read them to all the people of Judah who come from their cities. Perhaps, there's that word again, perhaps their supplications will come before the Lord and everyone will turn from his evil ways. For great is the anger and the wrath that the Lord has pronounced against his people. And so 23 years of history from the time of Josiah needed to be documented. God said documented from the time uh, that Jeremiah began to prophesy. I want you to document all that time period, 23 years. And so it took them a year, and they documented all that the prophecies that had been spoken at that particular time. And they brought them to different groups. There were some that repented. There were some that heard the word of God, and they repented. They had the right uh, uh, actions concerning uh, this message from the word of God, and there are others that did not. It says, Baruch, the son of Nera, did according to all, this is verse 8, all that Jeremiah the prophet commanded him, reading from the books and the word of the Lord in the Lord's house. Now in the fifth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, in the ninth month, all the people in Jerusalem and all the people who came from the cities of Judah to Jerusalem proclaimed a fast before the Lord. Great start. Great start. Excellent start, isn't it? Then Baruch read from the book the words of Jeremiah in the house of the Lord in the chamber of Gemeah, the son of Shaphan, the scribe in the upper court at the entry of the new gate of the, uh, the Lord's house to all the people. Now when Micah, the son of Gemeah, the son of Shaphan, had heard all the words of the Lord from the book, he went down to the king's house, into the scribe's chamber, and behold, all the officers were sitting there. Elishama the scribe, Deliah, the son of Shemaiah, Elnathan, the son of Archbar, and Gemeah, the son of Shaphan, and Zedekiah, the son of Hananiah, and all of the other officials. Micah declared to them all the words that he had heard when Baruch read from the books of the people. Then all the officials sent Jehudi, the son of Nathaniel, the son of Shelemiah, the son of Cushai, to Baruch, saying, Take in your hand the scroll from which you have read to the people and come. So Baruch and the sons of Nera took the scroll in his hand and went to them. They said to him, Sit down, please, and, set and, and read it to us. So Baruch read it again. So there's a second reading of this beautiful word of God. Verse 16, when they had heard all the words, they turned in fear one to another and said to Baruch, we will surely report all these words to the king. And they asked Baruch, saying, tell us, please, how did you write all these words? Was it at his dictation? Then Baruch said to them, he dictated all these words to me, 
and I wrote them with ink in a book. And the officers said to Baruch, Go hide yourself and, and Jeremiah, and do not let anyone know where you are. And, of course, he did that because they knew the king's heart. Here's the king's heart. So they went to the king in the court. But they had deposited the scrolls in the chamber of Elishama the scribe, and they reported all to the king, uh, the words to the king. Then the king sent Jehudi and, and to get the scroll, and he took it out of the chamber of Elishama the scribe, and Jehudi read it to the king as well as all the officials who stood be, uh, beside the king. Now the king was sitting in the winter house in the ninth month, and the fire burning in the, in, the, in the brazier before him. When Jehudi had read three or four columns, the king cut them with a scribe's knife and threw it into the fire. That was in the brazier. Unto all the scroll, uh, until all the scroll was consumed in the fire that was in the brazier. And so here the king takes, as it's being read, and I want you to notice that it was read. Each piece is being read. It is being cut out with a penknife. This penknife, interestingly enough, is the penknife that a, a scribe would use to sharpen his quill to write it down. So that penknife was taken, and he cuts out line by line, uh, section by section, and he crumbles it up and he just throws it into the fire. That's his disregard uh, for the Word of God. Verse 24, I want you to see verse 24, because this is going to connect us back. It says this, Yet the king and all the servants who heard all these words were not afraid, nor did they rend their Garments, And that takes us back to Second Chronicles chapter 34 and verse 19, where it gives a different response of his father Josiah. When he hears the word of God, he rends his garments. So that's the connection here. We have Josiah the father, and we have, I believe, three sons that were all wicked. Two that entered into the royalty and were absolutely wicked. What? happened. I often ask that to myself as I go through the kings and I go through uh, many of the great patriarchs of bygone day and their children seem to be off doing their own thing with absolute disregard for God the Father and his, His truth. He cut it up and if he could have gotten away with it, verse 26, the very end says, but the Lord hid them. He wanted to kill the messenger as well. Now, I want you to notice something. A strange thing happens after this. Because God tells Jeremiah, write it again. Now, it took him approximately a year to write it the first time. It probably was a shorter period of time the second time, but it is no small task. Write it again. This time, I want you to add to it. If you read on through, you'd find this out. I want you to add to it. It says this, there, uh, verse 30. Therefore, thus saith the Lord concerning Jehoiakim, king of Judah, you shall have no one to sit on the throne of David, and his dead body shall be cast out 
to the heat of the day and the frost of the night. I will also punish him and his descendants and his servants and their iniquity. And I will bring on them the inhabitants of Jerusalem, uh, on the, the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the men of Judah, all the calamity that I have declared to them. But they did not listen. Verse 32, Then Jeremiah took another scroll and gave it to uh, Baruch, the son of Nera, the scribe, and he wrote on it, as dictated of Jeremiah, all the words of the book with Jehoiakim, king of Judah, had burned in the fire, and many similar words were added to them. What was added to them was the judgment on King Jehoiakim. This is a strange thing about the gospel. We present the good news of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to people. That Christ died. He was buried. And on the third day he rose again. It is good news. It is good news. To the hearer who knows no real purpose in life and has no real meaning, no real direction, no one to guide... It was said this morning, the world we live in is darkness on every hand. It is good news. But the strange thing about it is this. That good news becomes your judgment if you're rejecting it. What he added to the second copy was the judgment on King Jehoiakim. And ultimately the judgment on all of Judah. The last king being Zedekiah. This is what the Word of God says. Very familiar verse. Very familiar. He that believeth on the Son hath life, hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not on the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. You see, it's a good news, bad news situation. If upon rejection... If we take the mercies of the living God of heaven who gave His Son, His beautiful Son in heaven, knowing there was no one else that could fulfill the role that He fulfills as far as salvation is concerned, gave His Son, and we say, no, 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 then that same gospel, that same good news becomes our judgment. The blood that saves is the same blood that's going to judge one day. For those who continually say no to God the Father, for the, for the, for, for the gift that He gave, giving His Son, over and over say no. The good news becomes a judgment. And that's exactly what transpired here. It was the good news, right, that caused Josiah, when, when he read the Word of God, to begin to put together that great Passover, that Passover of which there was none like it before in all the period of the kings. This wonderful Passover, they, 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 they worshipped and they praised and, and the ascent of that rose to heaven and God the Father was so satisfied. That was an apt response to the Word of God. 
It's also apt that he tore his clothes and was contrite in his actions. That's another apt response. Because I, like I always say, if you're reading the Word of God and you're just getting a nice warm and fuzzy, it's giving me a good little warm and fuzzy every time I read it. It makes me feel good about myself. I don't know what Word of God you're reading. Because it don't give me a warm and fuzzy. What it does to me is it says, Aaron, you're off base there. You're off base there. You're off base. But I still love you. I still love you. I'm terror with you. You're a child of the living God. Nothing can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. I still love you. But let's get at this. And let's get at this. And let's get at this. And let's begin to change things. That's an apt response. Sometimes you can read the Word of God and tears begin to flow down your face. That's an apt response. Josiah had an apt response to the Word of God. His son had no response to the Word of God. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not on the Son shall not see life but the wrath of God. I want you to get this one word. It's a nasty word, isn't it? Abideth. Why does it say abideth? Because it's everlasting of everlasting of everlasting of everlasting. When we reject, 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 say no, say no to the grace Say no to the gift of God. Say no. Say no. Then the wrath of God will just in the same way abide and abide and abide and abide and abide for all eternity. Separated from God. Dead in your trespasses and sins. It's the same gospel that saves The same gospel that rings so beautiful in our ears, we love to hear, will be the condemnation of a lost world that surrounds us. That's why we need people like Christian. (laughs) We need people like me. We need people like you. Giving the word of God, giving the good news to everyone that God places into your life. Oh, it's just an accident I know that person. No. It's not just an accident. I really believe that when we stand in the judgment seat of Christ, there's a possibility that we see all those faces. All those faces. I know that we won't be in sorrow and mourning, but we'll see all those faces that pass through our life and recognize that God placed them there for us to say something. I remember hearing a story about a preacher who, good godly man, 
He had some friends back in college when he was going to college, and those friends, he had really good ties with them. And, and so he got together with them again, and, and, and he began to, to tell them the gospel. They didn't want to hear. Well, nothing to do with it. Finally, he got to the point where he said this. He said, George, I'm going to tell you in as clear terms as I absolutely can every facet of the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ, and then I am going to say no more. And that's what he did. He still didn't accept the gospel. We don't save people, but we are the messengers. We're the hands that do to help. We are the voice that speaks God's word and the the good news. We've got to be active, each one of us. Say, well, I'm not an evangelist. I don't think I'm an evangelist either. But but I'll tell you, God still put people in my life. He's still putting people in my life. And there's still people that pass through my life, and I didn't say a thing. Oh, you know. I didn't want them to think ill of me. Well, they thought ill of my Savior. Kind of weak, isn't it? Kind of weak. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And thou shalt be saved. A good lesson. Jerusalem is burnt. Nebuchadnezzar comes in, the great general, completely burns down Jerusalem, carries off the best of the lot, kills many, had mercy on no one, mercy on no one. And judgment finally fell. That's what's going to happen on this earth. Same way. Judgment is going to finally fall. Our Father, we are so thankful for the Word of God. We're thankful for the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Without it, we're lost. Without it, we're hopeless. We have no hope. We're all born in Adam, born in sin, in shape and iniquity. Without the gospel, we remain in that state, therefore separated from you, God our Father. And yet, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ rained down upon us. And He died for my sins in order that I might have life. It's no simpler than that. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Our Father, we give you thanks for gathering us here. We thank you for the Word of God which instructs us, which teaches us. We thank you for each other. We can have fellowship one with the other. We can encourage one another and grow in this most precious faith that you've given to us. We thank you now. Bless us as we go. In the Lord Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen.